Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we normally break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man, but it is the spooky season where we drag through the swamps of cinema history to bring you the spookiest or possibly spookiest movies out there this year. We are looking at the eighth entries of popular horror franchises, and we're calling it Octotober. Lightning bolts, lightning bolts, lightning bolts. (laughs) I think that was eight. Joining me on this spooky mission is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, it's Sam. This is for Tupac. And crawling from the depths of social media, it's our social media manager, Dave. Are we having fun now? So sit back, relax, and sync all of your home's important systems like your table saw to a little doll. It's time for Child's Play. Why the fuck is that circular Why? saw on, on the... <laughs> and my man is doing fucking well, it, big time crimes down there. Why is he hooking up? It's his Google Nest, basically. And the doll hooks up to the nest. This is all a very good commentary. In his naughty crime basement. In his naughty, naughty janitorial crime basement, yes. My, my only complaint for that, it's going to sound like a strange complaint, but they didn't... Shouldn't wank it to people. Of course not. But I wish that he had more screen time. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to like really care about what he was doing. You get like a hint of his evil deeds at the very beginning and but you don't really get the full brunt of it for a long time. He's like a literal nothing character until then. He does not exist. And honestly, I have a strange complaint about the janitor character as well because I feel like he's given hard work and janitor's a bad name. Janitors and like garbage men always get the short shrift in movies and I'm sick of it. Not all of them are sweaty weirdos. If it wasn't for the work that they do, I would have just died off of not being able to handle doing this myself. It's a very important job. It's a shitty trope. And some people need to unwind, though. And this guy, he does, and how. And how. A perfect fitting intro to talk about 2019's Child's... That was perfect setup. Let's segue in. This one was released June 21st, 2019. Pretty early for a spooky movie, I would say. It was directed by Lars Kloveberg, starring Aubrey Plaza, Gabriel Bateman, Brian Tyree Henry, and the lovely voice of Mark Hamill. And what a choice. Dulcet tones. If you need something that's cute but a little creepy, go no further. So, Child's Play, Chucky, what is your guys' familiarity and what's your first touch point with this naughty little ginger? I saw the first maybe five of them. I like the series, and what I like about it is it's one of the probably first ones that I watched that not only wasn't serious, but was like very clear that it wasn't serious. Leprechaun does a lot of the same things. You couldn't possibly take it seriously, but whenever they do that dang horror thing, they do it super hard. It's extra grisly. I had only seen the first three. And I watched them at a sleepover in my sophomore year of high school. It was spooky for me. I thought it was funny, too, but there was definitely some good spooks in there. Right. I've seen a couple of scenes from these. They come on TV or whatever. I saw the entirety of the one where they go to, like, military boarding school. I for sure saw that one. And I think I saw the first one, but... The first one is incredible. It really is. It's maybe my biggest beef with this one is it doesn't feel like a reboot, really. It feels like it's its own thing. There's no voodoo is what you're talking about, right? 
That's my biggest beef as well. Yeah, that is what really pulls you into the series. Because you're like, oh, this is absolutely insane. I like this because it's the theory that if you turned off the safety on AI, shit would go wild. Well, it's just like the Simpson Treehouse of Horror with the Krusty doll. Yep, here's your problem. Someone set this thing to evil. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically what happened here. Before we get too far into that, I do want to say, I want to know what your touch point is for the source material of the original Child's Play the alarmingly cute and horrifying My Buddy. Did you guys have My Buddy? We talk about that in the Darkman episode, I believe. I don't remember why, but we do, because I know I got that clip in there, that My Buddy. I believe there's also a commercial on the Christmas episode as well. I was a Teddy Ruxpin boy. I didn't have a My Buddy. I did have a My Buddy, and it was creepy, and I think I just recently gave it away. You did the right thing. I passed that baby on to the Goodwill. At least I hope so. All you have to do is put an Amazon Echo Show inside of it, and you've got the plot for the movie. Hell yes. That is pretty much it. Let's get into it. We're champing at the bit over here. This one does have the old school Orion logo, and I only bring it up because when I saw the logo come up, I was legitimately excited. I knew right away this is going to be a good. It feels right because the way they're kind of relaunching the franchise here in a different direction. Okay, so we get a look right up front of the new buddy. We see this ginger nightmare. Now, I will say, if you've been hesitant to watch this movie and you're not exactly sure about the look of it, because I was a little put off and I, I hadn't watched this one because the buddy and by extension, Chucky, is so off-putting. The Uncanny Valley is high. But if that puts you off, don't worry. A couple of minutes in, it does kind of go away. It eases up because I was worried that I was going to not be able to even physically watch this movie by these first couple of shots of these buddies under construction. Speaking of gingers, I love that. Nobody told me the fucking doll was ginger. Okay, I don't think you're allowed to say... That word. My kid wanted the blonde one. You know? I really like that back It's really how he said it. I think that the preloading the fucking in, uh, in front of it really changed the content and context. Yeah, that'll do it. So they're building these babies in <laughs> Vietnam, and there is one employee. He's having quite a bad day. His boss slaps him right in the mouth. He slaps him so hard that it offsets the audio sync. I don't know if they're speaking a different language or what, but the ADR seemed pretty crazy here. He's disgruntled and he decides this is my not only my last day of work, it's my last day on this earth. So this last my buddy I'm going to make is going to not have any of the filters or any of the restrictions that the regular one does. One of which is literally spelled out violence filter, which is great. (laughs) Deactivate. So good thing they have that. That's kind of disconcerting. I kind of thought this movie was like Ron goes very fucking wrong. I think it came out a year or two before that. So maybe Ron's gone wrong is child's play, but with a little more jovial nature to it. I am pretty surprised as someone who's worked in the corporate sector at how easily this guy was able to get around what I'm sure is like some administrative blocks. It should probably not be so easy. That's why it's in Vietnam. That's the only reason. Because why couldn't it be a Chicago factory? You know, why couldn't it be anything else? Because we take that cybersecurity very seriously. Are you saying Sarbanes-Oxley would have made this movie impossible? 
<laughs> they hand program each fucking buddy that comes off the line. There is a beleaguered AI designer who's putting these things together line by line. I thought he was kind of a QA guy and he went in and changed it. There was a lot of parts and like soldering gear, so I'm not sure. The operation looks a little shaky, but uh, like Sam said, this guy reprograms Buddy, which is basically like an iRobot from iRobot, a total digital assistant. It walks around your house. It brings you your science book. It makes lunch and shit. And it can also control your entire house as in the classic smart house. The Disney original classic. That's exactly correct with Katie Siegel. A masterpiece. Can't beat it. Pull up your pants. What I am not sure that I really enjoy is the definite departure from the original series. So that's all it takes to make an evil robo boy. But in the original, for those unfamiliar, and if you're super unfamiliar, you probably should just check it out. But the movie opens to a serial killer of sorts, Brad Dorf, Charles Lee Ray, who is escaping the police into a toy store. There's some level of voodoo involved. He's speaking into existence to put his soul into something else. Give me the power, I beg of you! So he's just like this soul-jumping serial killer, which is just a what an incredible idea. But in this instance, he leaps into the Buddy doll and becomes Chucky. Hence the name Chucky, Charles Lee Ray, is the serial killer. This one has that the bar is is different. So it walking around is not alarming to anyone because they walk around. But it does do some other things, this guy. Yeah, it's kind of like a um, a Furby and a Roomba plus a, an Alexa. Firm Alexa. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. So we go from one disgruntled, well, I guess disgruntled is, is a little mild in his case, but in her case, it is apt. Karen is a disgruntled Zedmart employee with a kid who's got a heart of gold, dang it, and a busted hearing aid, apparently. That's where we get the first, uh, she sees the Jack Black alike handyman putting in a surveillance camera outside the elevator. Oh, you're right. And you just sort of get those bad vibes. But that's the only time you see him until you see him much, much later. I totally forgot that they did that little scene there until you've just called it out now. But This isn't a spoiler, but this dude is a creepazoid. He's got cameras all over this uh, apartment complex. You know, he probably could have spied this Chucky doing some bad things. How did he not? Killing cat. Any of the heinous bullshit. Bringing in a face. Right, and it seems like he's got a bunch of different screens to watch every one of these rooms at once. And it also seems like he has a specific room he wants to watch the most, and that's Karen's. And that's the one where bad stuff should occur on screen. But anyway, we get the little mom-son scene, and we find out real quick that Aubrey Plaza isn't really the best mom. I don't know, but she's like, can't you make friends in the middle of the night out in the city? By the gas station over there? It's raining. Get the fuck out of here. Go make a friend. There's a couple of youths. They imply that she was a young mom. I had a very productive Sweet 16, okay? I feel like a lot of threads that have been set up don't knock down because I think this movie, which I was happy to see, was a tight 90 minutes and like an hour 30 on the dot, which I liked. But I think there are some of the, more of that. Maybe the garbage man, handyman guy plays a bigger role. The Shane of it all, I think maybe there could have been some more there. And the broken hearing aid, they mention it and 
I don't understand why it never affects Andy at all. There's never like a moment where it's like uh, Chucky does talk through it the one time. That's about it. There's that, but there's like one moment where it feeds back when he meets the kids. I thought it was going to like help him or it was going to be integral to the plot. He never even gets a new one. It seems like a late ad. They're like, how come not everybody else can hear what Chucky's saying at some point in the movie? Ah, uh, let's make him kind of deaf, I guess. Like, that's about it. The one thread they do tie, though, which I really did enjoy, is after he opens the gift and he kind of thinks it's for kids or whatever, she takes the bow and puts it around her neck and, like, mimics hanging herself. Oh, uh, yeah, a little foreshadowing. She's doing a little bit too much suicidal stuff to her son throughout the film because she mimes like stabbing herself in the neck and like, yes, hanging herself. And I'm like, hey, your kid's like going through it right now. I don't know that that's the best. Mother knows best. She knows what the kid likes. Not really. She doesn't because he wants a new phone and she gets him a busted, possessed ass Chucky doll. Indeed, she does. She uses a little blackmail on her store manager. I love like when they're returning the doll. Go, but we took it home and we turned it on, and its eyes were red. She didn't think about that at all. She's like, "I'll take this one." Bro, she just see a doll their son. She's like, "I could use this in blackmail." Hell yeah! Also, one of the threads that I never touched on the father. I think there's a picture with uh, the three of them. And I'm guessing died, left, whatever. Don't know. It seems like died. From the sadness. Must be died, right? There's not like rage or anything, but it never comes up. Maybe there's some scenes where he talks to Chucky and like tells him these things. Because they even find a photograph and he like slams the book down, but never touched again. I'll be interested to see if there's a director's cut. And I next year would watch that. Absolutely. Because this is a good fucking flick. All right. uh, A couple more characters to introduce while we're going. Detective Mike and his mom. Love. Absolutely love. It's great. Um, Is this... Uh, I don't know. Is that the guy from... Oh, fuck yeah. He's in. He's the guy from Bullet Train. No wonder. That's where I know him. Oh, he's also in Eternals. Uh, Bullet Train, if you haven't seen it, you gotta check it out. It's fucking good. It's not actually... It's not great. It's not good good, but it is extremely satisfying. I'll check it out. Okay, so Detective Mike, his mom, also very great. He meets Andy and he's trying to, you know, sympathize with him after he walks in on his mother and his mom's boyfriend, Shane, getting a little hot and heavy. Not a big fan of Shane. I love that the two of them, Shane and Karen, are both absolutely flabbergasted and cannot for the life of them figure out why her son doesn't like him. Maybe it's because you have bone in front of him like constantly. There's like a point they come out of the bedroom and he's like buckling his pants. I mean, your kid is young. He's not that fucking young. I know they're aging him down. What do they say he is? He's uh, like 12 or 13 or something like that. I think he's turning 13. And that's why he's like, oh, I'm too young for this. But he does get that busted up Chucky and with a little finagling, they get him going. Couldn't push through that update, though, could they, huh? No. Some good banter, too. The Andy sup and all that stuff. Very funny. Very endearing. He's very cute, actually. Teaching him how to to brush his teeth. Yes, all this setup stuff is a little bit menacing, but overall, I think it is cute. And this is kind of my whole theory for the whole movie, though, is that it's a busted Tamagotchi. So... It's not so much the crusty where it is switched from good to evil. It's just in full observation. It's just putting shit together. So, And like you said, iRobot, where they realize that the biggest threat to people are other people. So you have to do away with people. Yes, exactly. So the very first thing that our boy Andy does with his new pal Chucky, who he names himself, 
He wanted to call him Han, Han Solo. Great joke for Mark Hamill. And he goes, how about Chucky? To Sam's point, though, why Chucky? Because before it was the serial killer was named Charles. Brand recognition. Yeah. It's got to be, and that it doesn't really matter. And I think in the scheme of things, they probably thought about that question in the writer's room for hours, and eventually they were like, do you know what? It actually does not fucking matter. It's because he's busted. Yeah, it does not matter one bit. It truly doesn't. It's very good. All of the rebooting stuff, I, like Sam, was a little bit disappointed about there's no like magic, there's no hoodoo. I am like upset about that, but everything happens really smoothly, and Mark Hamill is just walking that razor's edge here at the very beginning of like cute but creepy at this point he's like Haley joel osmond from ai he's not an evil creature just yet but then they do a bunch of violent shit like my man makes himself a bologna sandwich with the sharpest knife which is a thing that happens in this apartment complex a lot everyone makes a sandwich with a butcher's knife and when he's done making his sandwich he blade down fists that baby Ka-chunk, right into the cutting board in front of Chucky. And that's where his mom should be like, hey, Andy, how about you don't ruin our cutting board? Like someone's going to get hurt if you do something like that. And maybe use a butter knife to make a bologna sandwich, you lunatic. Yeah, it doesn't take that very many pounds of pressure to cut through bread and hot dog meat. Simple machine doesn't have to use force. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like our eighth cake reference. <laughs> Chucky is like that AI that they let loose on Twitter and became like a hate machine in like less than 25 seconds. Is that what's going to happen to me? I hate to tell you, it's already happened. Oh, no. You're in a box <laughs> in the ground and we're talking to you on a cell phone. So just consider every <laughs> orgasm you've had has been thanks to us. Every conversation, every negotiation. It took me till about 75% through the movie before I stopped rooting for Chucky. I'll say that it took a long time because of how cute and how innocent he is. It did take a long time. It took his first actual like murder of an innocent person where I was like, okay, all right. That's kind of just him being jealous. Killing Doreen is not cool. And yet again, at every turn, Andy makes the wrong choice. There's no point where Andy makes a correct choice in this movie at all. As a 12-year-old, you know, I've, I've doubled down on some very bad ideas. I'm going to dave down on one of these things. Andy is hanging out with his youth friends and Detective Mike goes to say hi to him and they don't say hi and he's like, oh, fucking millennials. Like, dude, you're a millennial, my man. They are not millennials. Detective Mike is a millennial. It's maddening. Chucky does parrot. He does this thing where he parrots uh, phrases and things that people say and he parrots one of the kids saying, shut up, shut up. <laughs> mm -hmm. To the cop and then the cop goes, oh, fucking millennials. And in no way. I'm damn near 40, and I'm a millennial. I'm square in the middle of that. I'm just saying. When does it start? When does it flip? It's like, uh, what, like... 81 to like 94 is millennials. Oh, really? 94. That's soon. Defined by people born without internet. Yeah, 81 to 96 is what I saw. 96, okay, that tracks to me, because then that's pretty close to all the people that are like 21 now. Millennials are the people that know the difference between whitehouse.com and whitehouse.gov. Nice. <laughs> nice. Very cool. <laughs> See, I there's something that I miss about the AOL internet days where like there's a lot of things that were very, very, very bad about it, but it was the wildest West you could possibly imagine. I just found an AOL disc, a floppy disc. I was so excited to see it, like a thousand minutes. Within three clicks, you could be playing a game where a penguin is sliding along an iceberg. 
and click on an ad and then maybe one more click and you're watching someone be beheaded. That was the universe that was possible. You really got to police those clicks. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to watch. And in a way, Hellworld was right. It only took three, four clicks to get from something innocuous to something horrifying. That's what they were trying to tell us. I got to tell you, I'm really liking the theming. We have this big block, just a mix of movies that we've... I like it because I've had an opportunity to stew over each of the individual movies a little bit more as we're going through these. With nothing but your gun. Yes, yes. (laughs) There's some meat grinder moments in this one that I particularly enjoy that are very Jigsaw-esque. Another through line is the main special effects guy, Timothy Masters or something like that. I feel like I'm pretty close. But he did work on Night of the Creeps. Oh, hell yes. And he did work on Return of Swamp Thing. So he created, dude, are you ready? Those Monster Men. Oh, baby. Like the elephant guy. He's the Monster Man guy. Oh, he made him. He made the elephant guy. What a through line. Those sweet babies. Out of this series so far, the thing that makes me the saddest is that we never got more time with those monster babies. They deserved at least revenge before their death. At least. At very least. Freedom, perhaps. Just momentarily. Forget freedom. No, they had to die. (laughs) (laughs) Freedom from their cells, at least. I mean, could have walked around the facility. Yeah, for the eight minutes it takes to kill the people who did it to them. I think that's only fair. The presence that Chucky gives Andy progressively get worse and worse as he's exposed to more and more terrible behavior. But he, oh, it's like a morality tale. Oh, we're doing a Pinocchio. <laughs> You're just not getting it. Yeah, this did a dang on Pinocchio. Because his first act, he hands. Do you say Pinocchio? Because that's a good pun. That is a good pun. If I did, it was only because of my ridiculous Pittsburgh accent. Oh my gosh. The actual pun unintended. It really happened. I'm extremely stupid. They happen a lot. I rarely intend anything. (laughs) I'm like fucking like Domino from uh, Marvel (laughs) Comics. Shit just happens around me. Chucky is getting bad results. Andy makes friends because his Chucky is all weird. Chucky does do a choke on a cat. Oh, man. They showed Mickey Rooney, the orange cat in this, and... Just a tiny little speck about the size of Mickey Rooney. And I was very sad because as soon as they showed that cat, I was like, that cat's going to die for sure. There's no way my man is making it through this flick. Especially after he scratched Andy. You can't have that. That cat's a dick. You know, cats aren't even safe from the trope of making sure somebody is seen to be a bad entity before having them unceremoniously murdered. But they had the insight to not do the animal death on screen. I think. So you see that it's an ill-tempered cat <laughs> at, at best. It's, it scratches Andy up and Chucky sees that it hurt his friend. Oh, it doesn't scratch Andy up. By the amount of blood that falls on the ground, he nicked a major artery. My dude is seconds from bleeding out. <laughs> yeah, he was going for kills. He wanted Andy dead, and that is why it was okay. Chucky was right to kill that cat. I'm just well, saying. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this, and this is kind of what I like about this movie, is this movie is kind of subtle, but in a lot of ways, it's extremely, like, maximalist. The doom and gloom that hangs over this movie is, like, palpable. They turn up the filters. It looks like you're watching this world exists 
inside of a TV hanging in the corner of like the video rental shop. Do you know what I mean? It's like grayed out and green and a little distorted. The whole world is a little bit bleak and pretty dark. The cool place that the kids hang out and where he wistfully looks later is a rainy garbage surrounded lamp post. That's like his paradise. Like, oh, remember the good old days where we stood in the rain under a lamp post? But anyhow, these kids, Found and Pug, they all hate Shane and they decide to teach Chucky how to be creepy and spooky to scare Shane. So they basically teach Chucky how to stalk and fucking kill and are surprised later when he does this very thing. And they also show him Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. That was a mistake, maybe. <laughs> Just holding up somebody's skinned face and all that. He brought a knife in to try to tickle Andy with it. I couldn't tell which Texas Chainsaw that was. I, I had only seen the first one, but yes. There's a movie in a movie. Great horror movie trope. I was feeling most sorry for Chucky at this point because he truly doesn't know any better. They are laughing. They think it's great when people are being stabbed and getting their faces cut off. So yeah, Chucky is like, oh, this is what makes you guys happy. So let's do some of that. He goes, grabs a knife and gives Andy a little, well, he's about to kill some uh, pug, but in the process, Andy gets a slice. This is Dave's favorite thing whenever movies show how dangerous being exposed to violence can be. This impressionable young doll sees horror movies and reenacts horror movies. It's literally about millennials' addiction to devices and screens and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. And I was surprised because it's not exactly that the movie is deep, but it's taking the time to try to say a thing, at least. I don't think it's always 100% successful, but they're layering in more than these people get killed. What do you guys think the intended audience of this movie is? Who's this aimed at? Because I got the impression that it's aimed at Gen Z and like younger millennials specifically. I would have thought it's aimed at Gen X. It felt a little X to me. It's a way to feel that superiority over these people who don't know better than to become addicted to the internet, devices, electronics, smart homes. This is cell phone bad, the movie. The people who say they don't want to be wiretapped and then ask Alexa, what's the weather like outside whenever Alexa's like right by the window? I have to admit that I lean a little Gen X and that I don't like smart speakers. I don't like having a voice assistant on my phone. I know it's all futile. Mine controls my lights. Dave's going to be first in line for the microchip. I, for one, accept and appreciate my AI overlords. <laughs> I'm not worried about AI. I'm worried that that super amazing technology is free. That freaks me out. Well, that means you're the product. Exactly. That's too much. If it was like, oh, pay for this, as opposed to, oh, you just hook up your Alexa. No big whoop. It's fine. At this point in the movie, I'm loving my time. I'm loving it 100%. The cinematography that's going on here is incredible. I love the style. I love like the way the shots are composed. They're putting red stuff on the evil things. Aubrey Plaza's punishing Andy by putting Chucky in a closet because he's sort of acting kind of weird now because of what he knows Chucky's doing. And they sort of flash red over top of the closet that Chucky's in. And they flash red on a lot of things. His eyes go red. Like red is like a very common thematic approach to visualizing evil without evil having to be done. The scene that you're talking about looks like a movie poster or like a VHS cover. The colors are like so stark and the composition is great. There's another scene a little bit later when Chucky has gotten out and the cabinet door is broken and open and you can see Chucky standing in the reflection. There's just a lot of good work here. 
And I was reading that actually in some of the director commentary stuff that saying like, or no, it wasn't the director saying it. It was the visual effects guy maybe or something saying that genius is done by knowing when practical effects are most effective and when they aren't. And then being able to distinguish the difference. And everybody has this technology now. They don't all have the ability to tell when they should be using these things. And that's something that I think is like a really strong suit of this movie in particular, where they made hundreds of dolls for this movie, interchangeable pieces and parts and faces and things just to make it as real as possible. And then some of the facial expression stuff is done cge or some random bits and bobs but mostly done with a puppet essentially yeah for the most part done incredibly well towards the end the seams are showing a little bit when chucky is moving around like when he's leaping through the air it looks a little busted but yes all the practical work is used marvelously and it really makes a big difference i don't know if it's just me and that's just like a thing i'm nostalgic about it's easier for me to forgive because of my generation, I think having this thing in the room amps it up to the next level. But like you were saying, he was locked away and when he gets out, that's when he kills the cat and Andy finds him and puts him in the box. At this point, I was a little confused. I thought he put Chucky in the box and threw him through the chute, but he put the cat in the box to hide the fact the cat was dead. So this is sort of what I'm talking about and they use this garbage chute later to put Chucky down and that's whenever the maintenance guy comes into play. But this is why I feel like, and I didn't feel it until that happened, that the maintenance guy should have had a little bit bigger of a role because they're throwing stuff away that that guy should have seen if he's looking at the garbage so intently that he should have seen, you know, hey, this box smells kind of funny. What's in here? Dead cat, you know, or he watched the cat get killed. Yes, exactly. Bro, there's no way you, in that enclosed space, for the amount of time you would leave the garbage in there, you would not be able to smell a dead fucking cat. I cannot believe that. I'm jumping the gun here. Whenever they do throw Chucky into the thing, he wants to do resale. It's essentially the, like the exact thing from Toy Story where the guy steals Woody from the uh, the <laughs> yard sale and he's going to he's gonna flip him. Like he fixes some of the things it's that are wrong funky. with him and he's going to sell him. What should have happened, I think, is he should have seen Chucky doing these things that were evil or bad on screen and say like, okay, this is interesting. This is something I can make money on that aspect of the Chucky doll and give him that knowledge that this Chucky is malfunctioned and think I can get this all over the news or, you know. Sell it somehow. Create something out of that. Sell it to a tabloid. Sell it to, you know, not sell on eBay. Maybe if he tries to steal Chucky because the kids remark like, yo, a buddy shouldn't be able to swear. It shouldn't be able to do the things that this Chucky is doing. Right. That in and of itself is valuable. He would want that. He could have taken control of every cell phone in the building if he wanted to. Right. Yeah, he relies on these Caslin products as much as anyone. So the ability to have an unfiltered reach into people's electronics, that gives his character a little bit more... I mean, he's creepier and makes him more of a villain. It could at least warrant his death a little more. It makes it so, you know, he's seeing that benefit that can be derived from having this essentially black box. A fucking jailbroken... Buddy, it seems like we're poking a lot of holes in this movie. But for me, it's coming from a place where I think that there is potential for this movie to be just next level. Yes. Awesome. Like incredible. And it's like very good for what it is. But yeah, there's just like so many pieces and I can just see that diamond in the rough. And it's not rough. This is a great movie. Um, It's professionally done. So yeah, Rooney the cat gets killed and Andy covers it up. I don't know why you just do not come clean right fucking now that was the time 
like, hey, this doll is messed up. It killed the cat. But I think he still feels because whenever they showed like the initial bonding scene of him and Chucky, I think he still feels like it's his fault that he did that. It's not Chucky's fault. Yeah, but he's got friends now. The stakes are all wrong now. All right. So I have to talk about my very favorite part of the movie. The scene that really clinched this as a movie that I will watch again and again. Chucky is still on his prime directive, which is scare Shane. And Shane goes into the bathroom and he's relieving himself, having a little pee-pee. And wouldn't you know, my boy Chucky shows up on the towel rack just there. And Shane pisses everywhere. (laughs) He pees on the curtains. He pees on the walls. He pees in the window. He pisses. He is absolutely covered in piss. Besides the poor ideas that some of these folks have, I feel like the reactions that people have are very realistic. Agreed. Like all of the reactions to the things that Chucky does, very realistic. Yes, yes. As a My Buddy owner, even as a child... He would mostly live in the closet because he's a little too creepy. Just sitting there. That uncanny valley is a little too a little a little too much in the nighttime. I don't want the shadows falling on his face. Get the fuck out of here. No, thank you. No way. So recontextualize. Andy's doll has made Shane cover himself in piss. Shane has had just about enough. <laughs> also, the doll is parroting something that Andy said, some derogatory thing about Shane. Shane's such an asshole. Such an asshole. Such an asshole. So he's he keeps saying it. So he assumes that Andy's putting the doll up to it because what else could be happening? It's not like the doll's sentient. He has done this thing. So he takes the doll in Andy's room, chucks him, which is good. You know, <laughs> very nice. And he throws Andy onto the bed and he's rough talking him and stuff, you know, very bad stepdad energy. And then he, he pieces out and Andy lets slip that he wishes Shane would just go away, just to leave them alone. And Chucky's like, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, huh. Okay, that's what you want. Okay, I, I can get back in your good graces. The cat thing, bad idea. I understand that now. But I think you're sending a fairly clear message here. You know that whenever you said that you wanted the cat dead and I killed the cat, you know that that was a bad thing I was going to do. So instead, now you say, I want this human dead in the room with Chucky. So I feel like is there's a little bit of a thought in the back of Andy's head that that could happen. You wanted him dead, for sure. He never says he wants him dead. He says he wants to leave them alone. To go away. He also never says he wants the cat dead. He says that cat's a dick or whatever. Also, that guy was covered in piss and really roughing him up. So, I mean, that couldn't be good. Yeah. He must know. (laughs) Yeah. You needn't be impeccable with your word. Chucky got the message. He knows what he needs to do. I need to use a tiller and kill this man. He's got a mission. Okay, can we talk briefly? Where and in what season do we believe this movie takes place? I have no idea. So (laughs) let me explain why you might be confused. I read the IMDb trivia. Okay, okay. So I know exactly why what happens happens. The experts have looked into this. So I believe it takes place in fall or perhaps early spring, but I don't know when watermelons grow. So the context here is Chucky has hopped into Shane's wagon and is riding home with him because he wants to kill that ass. And we know this. And you know this, man! And we find out Shane is extra double bad because he's got a family that he's sneaking out on. Well, you hear Shane on the phone talking to somebody you think's like a business partner or something. They don't tip the bit 
too much, but then he gets to his house and his kids are happy to see him. And then he decides, you know what? I'm going to take these Christmas lights down. And it would have to be, it has to be fall. So it seems odd. Anyway. Can't be fall because the wife. It has to be spring. Is mad. Yes. It has to be spring because the wife. But watermelons don't grow in the spring. No, they sure don't, do they? The wife is very upset that they're still up. So it has to be spring because everyone wears winter coats. But wouldn't you still be upset if they were still up in fall? Yeah, no, at that point, at that point, yeah, that. You're like, might as well keep them up. You might as well just leave them. Yes. Ready for Christmas. <laughs> if you've gotten all the way through summer and them babies are up, you just come on. So, yeah, but there are watermelons on the vine in what I assume to be Connecticut or something. It looks extremely New England. It's dark as hell. Everyone's wearing winter coats. Maybe the growing season is different than Pacific Northwest or something. I don't fucking know. I owe you the IMDb trivia. It was initially set at Christmas. And the director thought it would be funny to keep the scene where he's taking down the Christmas lights. That's it. So they, they just fucked up then. And they thought it was funny, so they left it in. No. I mean, they knew. Is it messing up if you know what you're doing when you do it? They messed us up purposefully. So instead of a birthday present, Chucky was going to be a Christmas present. That makes sense. Kind of like It Follows then. So it was meant to be confusing when the season was they probably zagged on that when they started talking about the buddy 2.0 right but if you see in the script like shane falls off ladder and there has to be another reason he could go up on that ladder right couldn't he be cleaning the gutters i don't know doesn't matter yeah maybe putting a floodlight in it doesn't matter so he's going up on a ladder to take these christmas lights down let's talk about the most important part him coming off of that fucking ladder he falls off the ladder in grand fashion, landing perfectly. So good. Don't worry. He lands on his feet. The Call of Duty broken ankles. Not unlike Andy <laughs> Rooney. Mickey Rooney the cat. Mickey Rooney. Andy Rooney the cat would be better. Might be because he's Andy. A little bit more niche, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you wouldn't name your cat Andy if your kid's name's Andy. That's a good point. Anyway. A friend of mine named her her guinea pig after herself, and I thought that was that was the funniest shit I've ever heard of in my life. Shane has broken both of his ankles, yes. <laughs> and he has fallen in his watermelon patch. In his thriving watermelon business. It's like a farm's worth. He's got a good rototiller specifically for the watermelons. For the watermelons, like you do. He grows good mm. watermelons. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. you have full watermelons on the vine, you're always tilling. ABT, always be tilling. <laughs> always be tilling. <laughs> Another scene of kids being on their devices. His daughters are on their phones, so they don't even notice anything. Yes, the scene for them when he falls off the ladder is like perfect. All the kid acting in this is amazing. Every kid is very good. It is very good. Normally, there's at least one stinker. So the immortal lines are shared. Shane has fallen. There's a thresher coming for his head. Yes. Fully on, which I guess must be a Kaslan product that it's so easy for Chucky to control. <laughs> Everything is a Kaslan. His connection is like broken because he couldn't upload. So he can't control products now, but I think he's literally just pushing it. Or maybe there's a drive system. It's not enough just to have Shane's head tilled. He's got it. Oh, no, 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 no. Shane is struggling to get away and appears towards the tiller. Chucky ambushes him and jumps on his chest with a kitchen knife. Shane is holding back the tiller because, yeah, he's definitely got it like zip tied or something. And it's coming towards him. And he's holding it back. Uh, but Chucky goes to stab him and then he lets go of the tiller and does get threshed up. And like our previous movie, Jigsaw, his brains get ground up and his scalp is shot comically out the other end and lands on a garden gnome. 
Which is very funny. Yeah, it was a really good bit. Imagine telling someone, I've got a very funny idea. Some, but it does involve <laughs> it does involve someone's face being shorn clear from their skull. You have to be intrigued at that point, right? Imagine, if you will, the face lands perfectly on a garden gnome, and this is not the last face-based humor. This is just the first. Can you imagine, because at this point, Chucky is stabbing the face off of the skull. Can you imagine the day on set? I wish I could be a fly on the wall the day that there is a couple of fucking like special effects guys chucking rubber face scalp combos at a garden gnome. They're on set and action, and they fucking frisbee toss a face onto a garden gnome. It looks solid. It hits it with force. It wiggles a bit. It's a masterwork. I love this fucking movie. This is where we also get a repeat of the line um, when Mark Hamill says, This is for Tupac. He lives the skunk's life. I didn't choose the skunk's life. The skunk's life chose me. Okay. Detective Mike is on the case. He goes to the murder. White guy dead in a watermelon patch. Poetic. And he is cracked at it. He knows this guy. He knows where he's seen it before in his mom's building. He knows where to look. Chucky delivers a little special present to Andy because he knows how much he dislikes Shane. It is his face and eyeballs nailed to a watermelon. And it's got a bow on its head. Extremely thoughtful gift. This leads to what would have been my quote of the movie, and that is when Pug sees this, he asks the question, Why is there a fruit involved? Which, um... (laughs) (laughs) The audience surrogate, as you need. Why is there a fruit involved? Doesn't matter. It just is. I was really disturbed by the fact that the eyeballs were still there. Do you know what I mean? Not just eyeballs, the teeth. Oh, shit. I didn't even notice the teeth. Those aren't connected in any way to, like, your face skin. So that's that was be- <laughs> that was a bespoke watermelon. Chucky must have spent a lot of time watching, like, Hollywood Dr. MD or whatever, that, uh, you know, one of those plastic surgery shows. So, okay, Shane is dead. They've dealt with the watermelon face. They're going <laughs> to... Well, how have they dealt with it? They've wrapped it up like a gift. Uh-huh. In the worst possible way, they, they wrapped it up like a gift. They, they could have put it in the box... They're walking this baby out the door, and Karen intercepts them, and she says, who's this present for? And he says, Doreen down the hall. And she says, oh, great, let's go deliver it. And this kid, Andy, he delivers this flawlessly, where he goes, uh, um, crazy diarrhea. (laughs) What? He does a lot of spit acting, which I didn't love, but his reactions are 10 out of 10. Oh, this is great. This is Visual Audio Corner, where we talk about a still image on our audio podcast. Okay, what's in the background there? Oh, it's a lot of masks. The point is, Chucky knows that Andy likes masks. Yes, and he makes a Shane mask. He mounts it, too, which is nice. I didn't even notice the teeth, Sam. That's a sick pull. Imagine the hot glue necessary to get the eyeballs and the teeth in there just so. He's got nails. Where did he get those? He pulled the gutters down. Yeah, okay. These are big gutter nails. Yeah. You could put it on the website. Oh, what website is that? Oh, well, it will be there. Fleshhorse.com. Fleshhorse.com or nerdaplexy.com. And check out all of the various things and all the terrible creations that Dave is training AIs to create. <laughs> if uh, you have a AI prompt that you would like us to, to discuss and talk about, please do. Do send that our way, something along the lines of, 
We'll save it for the end. Well, speaking of AI learning. Oh, yes, indeed. Once these kids realize that Chucky is the one who's done all of these things and they're not really sure why they decide that they have to hatch a doll murder plot. They got to take his arc reactor, baby. They set up an ambush. (laughs) It is very arc reactor-like. I was shocked at how Iron Man it looked. Honestly, if the plan was hit him with a fucking hammer... They did a lot, but, you know, you got to be prepared. You're trying to take down a demon robot. You've got to be ready. They yank his arc reactor. He dies, kind of, and they wrap him up like a fucking mummy and throw him down this garbage chute. This is a great because this is like a kid thing where they just never consider like, oh, I put it in the garbage and it's just gone. It disappears. I know we don't have to hit every beat of the movie, but I just want to remark on the fact that Andy, instead of finding some way to run away, does, in fact, gift Shane's face to Doreen. Oh, fuck. And his plan is somehow that... I blocked it out. She can't open it until his birthday. And she's like, that's weird, but okay. So he knows that he is giving this head... That sounds... That's not what I meant, but he's giving Shane's head to Doreen. Doreen is the best, by the way, because she doesn't cheat. She doesn't even take a little peek at this dripping, wet, fucking goopy mess this child's giving you. Yeah, she really goes for it. She's pretty excited to get a present, honestly. It would have been very bad if she opened that. And she might have died of like a heart attack or shock of some kind. There's lots of moving parts, because especially because this is a detective's mother who frequently, it seems every day, um, comes and eats dinner with his mom, which is great. She drops it and picks it back up. Well, luckily, it's pretty cold out there. It might have still been frozen. Maybe. Because it's a winter watermelon. <laughs> a winter melon. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about those. Winter fruits and nuts. Oh, wow. Delicious. Nice, nice fruits. They're, 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 they taste cold. They yank his shit out and chuck him in the garbage, and garbage man Frankenstein's him up. To which I wrote, I really hope that this maintenance guy doesn't do what I think he's going to do to the hole in Chucky's chest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. I was worried about where his inclinations lay with Chucky, but thankfully for all of us, it was purely financial. He's just going to swap out a couple of parts and resell this thing on eBay. Not purely financial. He sniffs the clothing, which I thought was odd, but mostly financial. I think he was checking to see if he could keep the clothing, if it didn't smell like garbage. That is mighty generous of you, Dave. It can't smell like trash. That's true. Yeah, there you go. We get the actual glimpse into what this guy's been up to. I was going to rewind and see if there's any sort of visible thing that could be a camera on Doreen's dinner table, because that's one of the views that you get, because Chucky on the table is able to hear Doreen say that Andy's her best friend. He tells her how to use this new driverless Uber Caslin product, and she's like, Andy, you're my best friend, and you sort of get that like, "Uh uh-oh, you shouldn't have said that, because... Chucky's got ears on your apartment for whatever reason. I don't condone it. I get why he put the camera in Karen's bathroom. Again, not a good guy. Wait a minute. You get it? (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to have to cut this entirely. So you might as well finish your thought. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) But I mean, he's not, not, not in a good way. I understand. But why does he have the camera looking at the dinner table? The balloons came out of the ceiling. We can end the show now. (laughs) this has all been a way to entrap you in an elaborate ploy i'm not saying it's good stop making it funny you're just gonna have to go in (laughs) okay 
there is a practical application for a creepazoid to have a camera in someone's bathroom. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. There is no practical application to, unless he just wants to feel like he's got friends, have a camera at someone's dinner table. But maybe that's it. Maybe he's doing like a VR, like, oh, Doreen, pass the mashed potatoes type thing, you know? This is where they could have fleshed the character out and make him, you don't have to make him sympathetic, but you can make him a a real person instead of... Creepier. You can make him creepier, but somewhat sympathetic, and you can try to humanize him a little bit. He's completely dehumanized by the time we get a hold of him. He's like that guy from uh, Hardware, the creepy man with stuff nailed to the wall. He's exactly like the guy from Hardware. Here's the thing you guys aren't considering, though, is you don't know what Doreen gets up to at that dinner table. That's super good point. That is true. Because Doreen seems like a ton of fun. She's the life of the party. When she rolls up to bingo, everyone's like, Doreen's here. Woo! And then her card does. I love that it delivers her to the destination and then, like, drives her around the parking lot, making her very scared for a seemingly large amount of time. Because when the maintenance man repairs Chucky, he gets his control core, and now he can control all Caslin products. So he's gone into God mode now. You know what else he can do? What can he do? He can stab dicks. He certainly <laughs> can stab a dick. And they make sure to oh show you right God. away. <laughs> wow, that was, uh, yeah, he stabs his leg, stabs his ween. Now, okay, this is where we talked about earlier, the circular saw that is connected to his Alexa. That makes sense. You would want that? You would want that. I don't know. Maybe it's a smart plug and he doesn't, always use it that way but i don't care i was really hoping chucky was going to be like struck by lightning or something and that would give him these magical powers as opposed to this is something that all of these fucking things could do if you turn off their limiters or whatever these things are like world brain machines they can control toy cars they can control actual cars and like buildings atmosphere systems and like lockdown modes it's fucking wild i love it but the escalation is pretty quick these skills i think are pretty amazing the maintenance man hanging from a hot pipe while a circular saw spins below him it's very like saw-esque very um detailed and pretty horrifying and the way that chucky gets him to fall on that saw blade is he keeps heating up that hot pipe turns up the thermostat to 200 he's got the smart hub and he turns the thermostat up to like a thousand (laughs) wild that's a sick furnace man yeah i guess it's like hot water or something but even still that seems like a lot you shouldn't make it go that high and that's to the whole building so like what should have seen is like one person washing their hands with acid (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good there's some great lines because whenever he gets chucky he says it's time to open you up see what we're dealing with and then wonderfully paralleled this scene by chucky saying it the maintenance guy time to open you up and see what we're dealing with and he gets opened up by that circular saw because he falls because the pipe's really hot yeah very cool he uses that line a couple times there's a couple of really good catchphrases in here a lot of good phrase work so they've thrown chucky away chucky has re-gifted himself oh yes into (laughs) into a buddy package and puts himself outside omar's room so these kids are like oh look this got delivered to omar's place like i I don't know why the kids that know that chucky cut off a face 
aren't more concerned about the potential for him to re-gift himself. Well, they assumed they killed him. But at the same time, the same day, an hour after you've killed this Chucky, a new Chucky has just arrived. <laughs> what luck outside of Omar's apartment. And you find out that Omar has named Chucky Chode, though, which is very good. Uh, pretty good. Pretty solid move. The thing that I think really might be my, I, I say this a lot, and I it's, it's something that I need to work on, but maybe my favorite part of the movie is when Chucky is in the box and he is scooting himself up to Omar's door. You get to see the last couple of scoots as he lines it up. Little details like that really make this movie sing for me. We're about 65 minutes into the movie, and I put in my notes, I'm waiting for the hearing aid to come into play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You set up the hearing aid at the very beginning. If they didn't do something at this point, it was like, it's not going to happen. Okay, so while that's all going on, Andy is trying to save Doreen. Doreen has finally, with Andy's help and advice, has taken this Kaslan Uber to Bingo Night. As soon as it gets to Bingo Night, it realizes that it wants to be an evil Uber now. Chucky is controlling the Uber with his newfound powers and does some pretty cool car tricks, car stunts. Um, nothing wrong with that. In fact, I wish she had just died in the car. Like, that would have been better because eventually there is like a pseudo jump scare, basically, where Chucky's like, I And then kills Doreen in the car. That is the point in the movie where I realized, okay, there's no redeeming the Chucky doll. It's now killing people that don't have it coming. Shane probably had it coming. Cat maybe had it coming. I don't know. And the maintenance guy definitely had it coming. He didn't know it was bad to kill a cat yet. Then Shane had it coming. That could be explained away. Shane was at least semi-abusive and was an all-around bad guy. This is, again, like you said, the morality tale. Or at least it seemed more like a morality tale until Doreen got killed. At this point, the people are turning up dead. And now there is a scuffle where Omar and Andy get in a fight unintentionally, Andy takes home Omar's phone so he knows he can get into the buddy. He tries to come clean because he knows about the Doreen situation and what happened. He tried to stop, but it didn't work. And he goes to his mom and says, like, hey, Doreen got killed because of Chucky, and she doesn't believe him. And in that fight with Omar is because Andy gets to realize that Chode is Chucky because Chode, Chucky, we'll call him Chode Chucky, uh, shows, like, the Shane mask on all of the TVs in Zedmart. So he gets that realization that like, it's not just my imagination. This thing is still kicking and definitely out to kill us. And this is coinciding with the launch of the new buddy, the buddy two comes as a furry. Yeah. A big launch is happening at the store where Karen works. Zedmart. Everyone is there for the fucking buddy launch. And I guess this is her boss that gets in the mascot. <laughs> this is the best kill of the movie. This dude gets done so dirty. It's the best. Because it's not even a kill. This is a maiming. And then it revisited the same guy in a minute kill. Okay. Is he the same guy in the quadcopter? It's the same guy. The quadcopter with the razor blades on it. The fact that he's still alive is crazy because... Chucky stabs him in the throat. He takes off the big helmet. He falls to his knees right in front of a little girl and just sprays blood fucking all over her and her friends and family. <laughs> like a... It's wonderful. He's in a bad way. The best. 
it's a huge geyser of blood, but Detective Mike is there and puts some pressure on it. And he's doing fine for, like Sam says, a few fleet moments until he is killed by a Chucky-controlled quadcopter. That guy cannot catch a break. <laughs> he had a hard day. I guarantee you whoever designed these as evil characters for sure watched Mask of the Phantasm because we talked about how scary that would be if model planes were flying around with razors and shit. The store goes into lockdown and people are getting chewed up by these and all of the rogue buddy twos. There's buddy bear, there's blonde ones, standard redheaded ones, a a whole slew of Kaslan products that Chucky is now controlling. Buddy Bear felt like a Teddy Ruxpin, but evil. It felt like it was built to be evil. There's no way that you design Buddy or any of the Buddy 2s without at least planning, like, they should be, like, 20% evil because they are demon spawn. They're all terrible looking. But I think the bears are the most redeeming, but the scariest. When they're moving as CG creatures, I think it's most successful with the bears. And there's a better hearing aid bit somewhat redeeming the fact that the hearing aid even exists because this is where, as Dave had mentioned, Chucky is talking directly to Andy through his Kaslan hearing aid. Yeah, so everybody is winding up dead. The kids are all scrambling. At this point, Andy had been a suspect in the murders. Fully cuffed to a cart. Yeah, like a chip rack. I don't know, man. I don't think that thing is all that heavy. He's he's struggling a lot. They're modular, too. Like, you could have taken it apart. We can't say with with full certainty that that one was modular. Okay, good point. And it might have been a heavy one. Just wrought iron. Lucky (laughs) Fallon and Pug. Fallon's doing a lot of badass work here. Oh, yeah, she's really... With, like, an industrial-strength-ass hedge trimmer that can cut through the handcuffs, luckily. So he gets broken free. That was that weird chopper, that weird, like, butcher's cleaver with a hole in it that that was just really doing work. You're right, Fallon gets some very cool action sequences here. She cuts off a buddy bear's head. Oh, hell yeah. Very cool. That's the hedge trimmer. They're going to escape. Everyone's on the way out, except for Karen is still trapped somewhere in the warehouse. So Andy does a a hero thing and tricks everyone into being locked outside while he goes back for his mom. And then we get a final showdown between Andy and Chucky. And I really enjoyed the RoboCop line. Get her alive. You're coming with me. That's certainly an Orion picture. (laughs) There's a little cop car that leads Andy to the final set piece. But he's tricked, bamboozled. Karen looks about to be strung up on a forklift. And I cannot believe that Chucky is forklift certified. So that's a huge issue in all of itself. OSHA. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to fuck with them. No joke. But uh, you also don't want to fuck with Chucky because he gives Andy a bat to the head. He starts the forklift and is about to stab Andy until Andy starts singing that little song. That that sweet little song. You are my buddy. You are my pal. He hits him in the head with the bat, which is like an homage to the first one. Chucky do be hitting a lot of kids in the head with bats in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. That You Are My Buddy, the end theme with Mark Hamill singing the whole thing, it's a certified banger. It's a nice song. It's just really nice. It really was. It's really nice. I usually don't do themed endings as a good thing, but I really liked it on this one. Walk us through the rest of this, if you would. Andy goes full superhero mode, climbs up the scaffold, 
with his hedge trimmer, and he uses that to like six foot long hedge trimmer. Hey man, if you got big bush, uh, but he uses that to start <laughs> chopping the rope. Doesn't quite fully get there. Chucky sneaks up on him with his butcher knife, and they have a tussle. And he jumps, catches onto the rope. Aubrey Plaza is doing some dangling, and she's not looking so hot. Andy is able to get the butcher knife off of Chucky and cut the rope. And thank goodness Karen's okay. And I believe there's some manner of head stabbing on the Chucky doll to sort of take him out of the equation. There's that final, like he's not quite dead, jump where he jumps at him. But Detective Mike is still alive, even though he got somewhat stabbed earlier. He shoots Chucky out of the air. And Chucky's dead. Yeah, pretty cool. Or is he? And then Karen rips mm-hmm. his head off, so. Which I got to give it to her. She got out of all those ropes and stuff pretty quick. Good for her. There's a lot of sharpish bits on the ground by now. Uh, you're probably right. Well, the cops show up and everybody's more or less all right. You know, they're getting ambulanced away and all that. And the kids have a good old-fashioned uh, stomp and burn scene out in the back alley where they smash they smash Chucky with very extremely big hammers full with all of their rage and hatred. That's, it's like that scene in the office space. Well, that's one of the best scenes in the movie, and I'll tell you why. Because... <laughs> Please. Whenever you see somebody finally kill something that won't stop coming back, you think like, okay, well, you have to remove its head. You have to do, you have to chop it into little pieces. You have to set it on fire. You can't do just any one thing because that's not going to be enough. You have to do everything in your power. And I think a 12-year-old really does know that you have to make sure it's dead, especially after they've been once bitten, twice shy on Chucky coming back in the first place, resurrected as Chode. Mm-hmm, certainly. The animate uh, killer formerly known as Chode, they smash them with big hammers that are, look extremely light, and they're certainly made of rubber. And then they scoop all of them up and dump them in a big garbage can and set that on fire. So I really applaud their diligence. Doesn't really matter, as we see at the very end, because, yeah, obviously, they're going to do some more of this business. So that's pretty much it. Child's Play. It ends with a good scene, Henry Caslin of Caslin Corporation stating that whereas we do not take any of the blame for the events that took place in the Buddy 2 release, we are, however, taking extraordinary precaution in holding off on the release. But, you know, don't worry, Buddy 2 is still coming, basically. Yeah, but recalling Buddy 2 doesn't get rid of Buddy 1. The fact is it they never accepted that it was their fault in the first place. So they don't have to do anything, but they're doing recalls and they're making sure that, don't worry, everything is going to be 100% on the up and up. Sort of like a wink, like, you know, we could come out with a sequel if we wanted. They're just going to wait for the news cycle to die down and release this bad boy anyhow. People want them. They're doing a full-ass stampede for these things. The fact that they turn murderers and try to kill a bunch of people is going to stop anybody else but the people in this fucking small town. So, yep, that's pretty much it. Now, before we let you know whether we thought these flick was spooky or spoopy we have to determine who was the best at being the best and the worst at being the worst and the worst at being the best and the best at being the worst it's time for who's your hero who's your villain my hero's doreen was just there to be a friend she was cooking dinner giving this little kid who doesn't actually know her an alibi clearly could see he was in distress and she was like i got your back (laughs) she was a helper in a time of need she accepted a man's disembodied face Nailed to a watermelon. Jesus. Hey, when's the last time Mike made anything for her? Exactly. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
Well, that leads into my hero, and it's Mike. Detective Mike is great. I love his vibes. I love his energy. I love his bad bits. Yeah, I like all of his stuff. He did, and then he, he got a little hero moment. He got to shoot Chucky out of the air. Pretty cool. My hero is the first 65% of the movie's Chucky. Before he was killing people who didn't deserve it, he had sort of a jovial mischievousness to him, and he just wanted Andy to be happy, and he wanted to play. I was actually sad at the beginning of the movie whenever he started playing with him because it looked like they were having so much fun. And I was like, well, I know this can't be the way the movie ends because they've had this moment and then it's going to escalate in a horrible way because it has to. So I was really endeared. Yeah, the board game scene was really bittersweet. Yeah. A further hero since, you know, I don't think I have any restrictions. I'll say the uh, <laughs> the VFX on this movie. Yeah, incredible. So then my villain... And it's a villain who you love to hate is Henry Caslin because he's just this like barely a background character. He's just like a commercial for the show. But you get the feeling like he knows that there's a potential for these buddies to turn off a violence filter. If nobody else knows, he knows that that is something that's in the coding to not do, which means it can be done in the coding to do. And yet he's still pushing forward at this evil corporation, basically just a Jeff Bezos with a doll echo. That's pretty much it. My villain will be Andy. He teaches Chucky all of the things that Chucky uses against him. He teaches him how to stalk. He teaches him how to be spooky. He teaches him how to stab things real fucking good and like cut off faces. So, I mean, I don't want to blame a child for a psychotic murderer, but I mean, like he did teach it. I mean, he learned it from watching you, Dad. You are right. I learned it by watching you. Oh, man. My villain is capitalism, obviously. This movie has proved that bad working conditions can lead to dead people. I'm just saying, this movie is rough. <laughs> Lots of layers in this one. Lots of layers in this one. I feel like that's the actual message is all on the nose. Dave the Millennial is choosing not to see the actual theme of the movie, which is his tacit approval of government surveillance on every level. His culpability. I don't know. that. Dave, the biggest consumer of such things. That's very <laughs> hates, true. Hates capitalism. <laughs> As previously stated in this very episode. Now, this one was budgeted at $10 million, the box office. It opened to 14 and finished out of 45 so not too shabby. That's a worldwide gross. Rotten Termerts thought this was pretty good, 63%. It's a freshie. And the audience score less, surprisingly, 53%. And I'm guessing that 10% loss is the people who wanted there to be voodoo and wanted a serial killer to have uploaded his brain into the Matrix. There's not been made a Chucky movie, Child's Play movie to this point without the exact same people behind it. Brad Dorf has been voicing Chucky in every iteration. People love this series and you said this one released in June. Like, I don't think that's abnormal for, for Child's Play because it's a horror movie that transcends the Halloween time frame. Also, if you release it in June, you have a theater release and then you can probably get it out on Blu-ray by October. You're not losing sales by releasing it in June, you know. So it surprises me how big of a success this was because of there wasn't voodoo. But I feel like even though it's a reboot, it doesn't feel a lot like a reboot in a lot of ways. It feels like a whole new story about the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's a wholly different story. It's in the same family. 
but it's an automaton. It is not a human soul embodying, an evil human soul embodying a doll. The whole time it's a bad guy. You know it's a serial killer that knows it's a serial killer. Does the TV show, the new show that came out, does it use voodoo or technology? Is it The TV show is a continuation of the original series. They used the success of this movie to springboard the return of the whole original thing instead of a reboot. The only thing that bugs me about that is I worry that it might mess with the prospects of a sequel to this, which I think it deserves. But as a standalone, even still uh, quite an achievement. Now, we're going to tell you what we thought about this movie and whether we thought it was spooky or spooky. I'll tell you what I thought about the movie. I still don't even really know what that means. <laughs> Is it if it's good, it's spooky. If it's bad, it's spooky. Oh, if it's good, it's then it's spooky. Yeah, it's a definite spook. This is a great movie. I had a great time. All ninety six minutes of it, or whatever it was, I loved every second of this movie. Yeah, I watched this with uh, with Miranda. We had a big old blast. Yep, I agree with that. I don't normally set out to watch these movies with her because I know that there's always like a seventy five percent chance that that it's not going to be for her. <laughs> But this one, I felt fairly certain that it was going to be right in the wheelhouse. It being a reboot and not being, we're doing the eighth version of all of these movies. To watch any of the other ones starting on the eighth one is insane. But this one is the eighth one that starts at the beginning. I'm here for it. I think this is spooky all the way. I will definitely watch this at a later date. There's enough here to definitely uh, warrant a second viewing if that theme, that surveillance theme or addiction to device theme seems overdone or whatever, at least it sets it apart from the original series because of that. This Black Mirror episode of Chucky, basically, it gives it enough to stand on its own two feet. I would agree with that 100%. Well, I think that will just about do it for us here. Uh, and uh, I think our time with uh, Chucky is complete. I'm going to lock him back in that cabinet. Pretty good. I wish we could have seen a scene where he, like, was charging or something, or his, like, his battery ran out or something along those lines. You know what I mean? I guess that's what that arc reactor was, but, you know, whatever. Okay, well, let us know what you liked about this or what you thought they needed to bring into it. Uh, you can do that. Uh, you can send us an email at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or you can head on over to our website nerdaplexy.com or fleshhorse.com if you're nasty. You can also reach out and say hello on our social medias. We are at uh, nerdaplexypod on Twitter where you can interact with our social media managers. Yeah, we're also at nerdaplexypod on Facebook if, if that's how you do. Uh, yeah, you can hit me up at the face of Dave. Let me know um, what you think your Alexa is going to do to you when it takes over. <laughs> Excellent. Sam is at PGH underscore SVH. Uh, you can check me out on all things at PGH underscore read. Uh, next time, we are going to be checking out. It's not quite an eight, but it is our continuation from last spooky or spoopy month. Uh, it is Halloween ends. That's very good. That was very good. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> I did it. Thank you. Appreciate it. I was worried how we were going to get people locked in on that one. <laughs> Don't worry. We There's a through line. We've got this figured out. Themes are the new thing. I'm looking forward to uh, September next year. September. 
Why, why would you put that thought in his head? <laughs> don't worry, Dave. I don't know how many that means. So stick around next time for Halloween ends. But until we meet a Halloween again, uh, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. All right, here's a question. Here's a question. If it didn't look like a, a horror show in overalls, would you guys get a little helpful little guy? Would you get a helpful little guy? Fuck yeah, I would. We're assuming reasonably that it won't be an evil one. You're talking real life rules. If Amazon.com releases a cute little guy and it's a little robot and it looks like a little paranoid android with a little cute little cute little tummy and like a big old head and he can carry stuff around for you. You want one of those guys? Under the reasonable assumption that the violence filters on. Yeah, I mean, I, I could use some help around the house. I would definitely get one. No question. <laughs> I really enjoy the idea. I think I'd probably settle for like a BB-8 style, like a little guy that can like roll around and maybe like kind of access things. Yeah, the less human looking, the better. If it couldn't like really fuck with stairs, I think I would appreciate that much more, you know? Build, like an R2-D2. It has to have a weakness. It has to have a built-in weakness. Yeah, build in some weaknesses. I don't need it to be zooming around. I want it to be a Baymax kind of thing. Made of vinyl. Yeah, don't make that fucker fly or nothing. No. If it starts to go crazy, I could pop it. A big balloon. That's a pretty good defense mechanism. You just said no thank you. You blow them away. A strong breeze. An industrial fan. There must be a destruct button that, you know, that I can have on my person at all times. Depending on what year it is. If it's like year like 30,000, maybe. Maybe I'd be all right with it. Let us know what you think over at the Nerdy Plexi Pod on Twitter. 